This episode of That's What She Said podcast is brought to you by CindyCarava.com and Sarah Candle Company. When you visit SarahCandles.com and you use the promo code G-I-N-O, you'll get 10% off your purchase. It is coming up on Christmas time. You're you're not going to want to go out and, and brave the malls and, uh, and all the traffic and all the, uh, the busy shops. You can just sit right home right now. Order SarahCandles.com. Use that promo code. Here's why Sarah Candles are the best. All natural soy wax, free from the toxins found in the paraffin wax, which is used by the other leading brands. And that all natural soy wax will actually hold your scent better and burn up to 50% longer than the traditional paraffin wax candles. 100% lead free, cotton wicks, completely natural scents, made micro batches, hand poured to ensure the highest quality, 100% locally sourced and handcrafted in the USA. Tons of different scents, so you can uh, pick for all your your different friends and family members. And then make sure to take a look at the instructions and the details on how to keep your candle clean and ensure the perfect burn. Remember, we're dealing with flames here. You want to be safe, and you want to make sure to get the uh, the best burn possible. This was created by people who love candles. They started out experimenting, trying to create the perfect candle, and now they've blossomed into Sarah Candle Company. Perfect gift for anyone out there. Promo code G-I-N-O gets you 10% off your purchase, but you better order now because you want to get them before Christmas time. On this episode of That's What G Said, we're going to talk about the best Christmas movies bracket. We have the field of 32 set. The voting has begun. We are trying to decide the best Christmas movie. We'll talk about a couple other shows we've been watching recently, uh, Home for Christmas, Moody's Family Christmas. Uh, We'll go through the last couple episodes of The Mandalorian. We'll preview the three NFL games for Saturday. Go through a couple of the N, uh, the NCAA football bowl games. We like a couple coming up in the next week or so. And then we'll close things out with some horse racing, some plays for Friday from a couple different racetracks. Kick back and enjoy. That's what... So you want your daily dose of sports and pop culture. Well, I know a guy named G who gives it to you good. That's what he said. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We will have holiday in the uh, in the podcast today because we're going to start out right away going through the best Christmas movies bracket. We have the field of 32 set. So if you're not following me on Twitter, the uh, the handle is it's me, Gino B. Head on over there. Follow me on Twitter, and you can see all the polls. So the, the polls are out for the first uh, 16 matchups in the field of, of 32. And here are the movies that we have set in the bracket. A Christmas Story, which, you know, to me, the, the, the ones that I spread out a little bit that I assumed would be the favorites based on the, the posts from everybody on social media and my research, we had kind of split up A Christmas Story, A Christmas Carol, Elf, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, uh, Scrooge, Bad Santa, Home Alone, The Grinch, Rudolph, Frosty the Snowman, this kind of, uh, It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street, those are kind of the heavy hitters and the, the favorites in heading in, but it's all going to come down to you because 
all I do is set the bracket. I don't even get to vote because I post the polls on Twitter, so I can't even vote in my own poll. So it's all based on you. So let's go through the uh, the matchups real quick. It's a Christmas story versus Jack Frost. The Santa Claus versus It Happened on Fifth Avenue. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer versus Die Hard. Yes, I did put Die Hard in the Christmas movie bracket, which is just a debate that has been going on for years and years. Home Alone and The Family Man. I thought The Family Man's always an underrated one. It's not going to beat Home Alone. a great job in that movie. Elf, Office Christmas Party, uh, Gremlins, Charlie Brown Christmas, Miracle on 34th Street, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Scrooge versus Santa Claus is coming to town. Other side of the bracket is A Christmas Carol, the original, versus Christmas with the Cranks, White Christmas versus The Holiday, Frosty the Snowman versus Jingle All the Way, The Grinch versus Four Christmases. And then we have National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation versus The Night Before, Love Actually versus The Christmas That Almost Wasn't, it's a Wonderful Life versus a Muppet Christmas Carol Express. That is your field. If you like these movies, I'm sure you've seen a lot of them. You've probably seen most of them. Do me a favor. Anytime I have a poll up, if we get a bigger sample size, it just makes me feel good. It makes me feel loved, and it, it helps the sample size a little bit. So if you ever see any of these polls up, head on over, leave a comment, vote, share them with your friends that you think might be interested. After the Christmas movies, I think we're going to go into uh, football at the end of the NFL season, NFL playoffs, so we'll... We'll figure out the best football movies, and we can get a good... I think we can definitely get into a field of 64 with the football movies because there are a lot. And there are just a lot of football movies in general. I thought football and uh, and baseball were probably going to be two of the tougher uh, sports movie brackets. That Okay, so as far as this year, what I've been watching during the holiday season, there are uh, a couple I want to mention that I, I, I thought are both worth watching and worth uh, spending your time on. The first one is Home for Christmas. It's on Netflix. It's a, a little bit different. It's not, you know, just your warm, fuzzy uh, rom-com. Or it's not just your warm, you're like your warm, fuzzy, like really, like Lifetime uh, Hallmark movie. This one's like more of a, a rom-com that's kind of dark. It was a Norwegian movie that was dubbed over. It's called Home for Christmas. 30-year-old um, Joanne, she's with her family a um, couple weeks before Christmas, month before Christmas, I think it's on Thanksgiving, and she's just she's alone. She seems like be okay with it, but her family kind of keeps keeps bothering her about being alone. So she makes up having a boyfriend. And everything about this is it's kind of like the a lot of these Christmas movies and shows. This is a show, and it kind of has a a they all have like similar trope, you know, tropes subjects that they're built off, and they just kind of. Um, they're they're repeated in different ways, but this one has a really different take to it. Um, it's like it's funny, it's uh, it's pretty smart, and during after announcing that she has a boyfriend, she has a month really to try to fig find a boyfriend so she can bring to Christmas dinner so her family will stop kind of treating her like uh, like she doesn't have things going on well in her life. And it's the the interactions she has that month while she's looking to find uh, Mr. Right or just someone to pretend to be her boyfriend, really. She tries speed dating. Um, she finds, of course, as you would at speed dating, some in really interesting characters. Um, then she goes out with a guy who's got a, just a terrible temper. Um, and she starts dating a real young guy who she just is, loves and gets intimate with, and they have these crazy, crazy all-night um, physical relationship 
uh, just a physical relationship. Like she stays up all night and just parties with him. They they actually like talk about love actually a bunch throughout the movie and they kind of mock it. It's just it's I enjoyed it. I rattled right through it. It's a really fun watch. It's on Netflix. It's it's just not. There's like every Christmas show movie. It has the like the feel good moment at the end, but but it's not like as predictable. And uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It it's just different. It's really it's the to me as far as like the Christmas movies and shows and stuff I've watched so far this year. This is the best new one that I've seen. So give it a look. Uh, Home for Christmas on Netflix. The other one that I uh, just finished watching was the Moody's. Family Christmas. This was on Fox. I thought this was a good one too. Um, it's just it. It's really funny. It's with Dennis Leary. Um, kind of obvious. It's a comedy on Fox, so it's a little bit like dark, a little self-deprecating. Um, but it's really basic. It's very, you know, family. Dad wants the, everyone to be real into the holidays and real festive for the mom. Um, there's some, you know. It's not PG. It's it's more PG thirteen, even to kind of pushing, pushing the envelope. But just their interactions. I thought this was pretty good too. Uh, different than than the one we just spoke about. But if you have the Fox app, you can go back and watch this one. Um, father wants one of the sons to help him uh, take over the the business. He's having to deal with uh, the father has um, cancer that is not too serious but of course the mom's worried about that and they got a, a house being re- remodeled at the time and uh the one son who lives at home has just all the failed businesses r- over and over the son who comes back home has a uh, issues with the girlfriend don't the only thing that's weird is, is like one of the main characters is super unlikable ends up uh, just somebody that's kind of hard to root for uh, throughout but another one that i think I would give a I'd give a look too. We watched it. It's about two hours. I think there's like six short parts that are on the Fox app. If you want to give that a look, now we'll go to the Mandalorian. And the Mandalorian they just released episode seven. I'm gonna go through episodes five and six, and then next week after episode eight comes out, we'll talk about episodes seven and eight. Go look at episode seven if you want. They they released it a few days early because the new Star Wars movie's coming out, so they they let the Mandalorian go uh, instead of releasing it on on Friday. They released it on Wednesday this week. But we go back to episode five of the Mandalorian, and what we're starting to see now through these first four and now five episodes is that um, we it we're it was kind of like a um, a every episode is like a different job for him a different challenge where he gets into some trouble gets out of some trouble and then kind of moves on to the next one we haven't really seen a lot of repeat through the first four episodes but we will now as you as you get you move on we haven't seen a whole lot of repeat characters or repeat storylines it's just kind of he's moving on each place new job and what happens in that episode at the new planet that he's on or he's trying to take but we I like the the slow pace of this show because we don't know a lot about him, and we just learn little by little by little more about the Mandalorian. Uh, we don't know anything really about little baby Yoda, and we're just figuring out that the Mandalorian obviously cares about little baby Yoda, right? But he's not a he's not very good when it comes to 
being in, completely in charge of him. He leaves him in, in some weird situations sometimes. He kind of leaves him alone quite a bit. And so we're we're learning, I guess, more and more about the Mandalorian each and every episode about the backstory. They're never really just kind of like slapping you in the face with anything. It's just really subtle and it's little by little. And and I I like it quite a bit. The fifth episode is a is an episode where he helps a who's trying to help a young up and coming bounty hunter who is trying to take a big job to make a name for himself. And in doing that, he gets the Mando trying to make money. That's the problem. He he needs money now. So every episode he's he's trying to get more and more money. He needs money for to keep his ship going, to keep traveling, to keep on the move because he has a he's they're coming after him. So he gets end of it, uh, he gets turned on, and there's a really funny character in this episode, uh, played by Amy Sedaris, who is strangers with Candy, and she ends up kind of helping out, taking care of little baby Yoda, and she's a character who hopefully we'll we'll see again as uh, we do start to see some characters now pop up into into episode 7 and 8. And then episode 6 was really cool. We saw Bill Burr in here. And this one we started to see a little bit more about Mando's past. We ran into people that he knew from the past. We ran into someone he used to work with. We ran into someone who seemed like uh, some sort of an ex-relationship or an ex-flame. And this group all had to try to go capture, uh, bring back a prisoner and they went to go do a job together, and the job ends up going wrong. They all kind of try to turn on Man- on Mando. He has to, and and then he kind of plucks them off one at a time. But he doesn't kill all of them, and that's kind of what we're seeing at the end of each of these episodes, right? Like he gets the better of the situations, but he has a he does have a moral code. It doesn't seem like he does. He's he's high on killing people. He doesn't have to. In fact, he gets upset that. In this station, there's an actual person running the station because they're thinking that there's only droids there. He thinks he's just going to come in and, and take down some droids. We know he uh, has a, a major disdain for droids. Every time, almost every episode now, we're getting these moments where LBY is in some big trouble, little baby Yoda. And been dropped now. He's fallen a few times. He's been you know, nearly shot. And he's just getting into more and more mischief too as he is still a... A young little 50-year-old who loves to play around with the controls on the ship and not listen when the Mando tells him to Fun episode in a really, like, Star Wars feel because a lot of this episode was on a ship um, battling. You just got the, like, this show has done a great job with the, with the real, like, Star Wars look. And we're getting, like, different species new and old ones, we're getting different droids, we're just getting like a huge idea of how big this world is, this galaxy is, and now I've watched the, the seventh episode, and uh, we'll talk about it next week with uh, episode seven and eight, but now we're going to see it all start to come together, and see kind of like everything he's done in these first six episodes will all start to mount in episode 7, and then I've not seen episode 8. That'll come out next week, and we'll talk about it after it does. But go watch episode 7 on uh, on Disney+. Plus, The Mandalorian, if you're not watching it, excellent, excellent. Before we get into the NFL for 
Saturday, three NFL games on the, the slate. Want to let you know about one of the sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, Cindy Carava. If you visit CindyCarava.com, you can get all of the information. She is a full-service realtor. You know, moving is not fun. It's a, it's a difficult process. You have to deal with so many different things that you forget about, you're not thinking about. You want somebody that you can trust that's going to take care of all of that for you, and that is Cindy Carava. I've known her personally for a decade. She is one of the most genuine and honest people you will ever meet, and she can help you with purchasing, with selling, with leasing. If you're just looking for home improvement, she can help connect you with handyman painters and landscapers, gardeners that she's used in her own homes, in the uh, the homes of her clients. If you need help getting pre-approved with a loan, she can connect you with some of the lenders that she's worked with. She covers all parts of the San Gabriel Valley, parts of North San Diego County, Del Mar, Solana Beach, Rancho Santa Fe. She can help you with a free market analysis if you're just curious to, to find your home's value. You can look her up online. She's on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and you can find the reviews about her on Yelp and Zillow. And they're going to say the same thing that I'm saying. Um, she will take great care of you. That's Cindy Carava, C-A-R-A-V-A. You can send her an email if you ever have any questions, cindyc.realtor at gmail.com. And let her know that, uh, that Gino said hello, cindycarava.com for all of your real Three games for the uh, NFL on Saturday. And in our next show, we'll go through the, the Sunday slate. And it's a really good three games on Saturday. They're important games because first up, you're going to have Houston at Tampa. Houston is now a minus uh, minus three at Tampa. This game has moved from Houston uh, minus one. Tampa has some injuries. They're banged up. Who Who is Jameis going to throw the ball to without Godwin, without Evans now? Might be difficult for them to score with their normal ease. And, in, you know, Jameis doesn't... Uh, have an issue throwing an interception or two. I don't love this spot. I don't love the fact that we've given away a few points in here, but I do think Houston wins this game, and I do think they'll win this game because this is a huge game for them. This is the opportunity to close um, to close things out and to secure a spot in the playoffs. And they're playing a team like Tampa who's won four in a row, but with the ability to clinch the AFC South, let's go to the Texans with some of their numbers. They are 7-1 straight up in their last eight as a road favorite. They are 5-2-1 against the spread in their last seven as a road favorite. Although, they are not great as a favorite, and they're not great following against the spread wins. I feel like this is the situation, though, where I'd, I'd like to play them, and I don't like to play Tampa as much when they're at home. Although, they are a home dog in here in a spoiler-type role. But their last four, um, they've done well against the spread. But they're one and five against the spread. Their last six as a dog, and they're zero and four against the teams uh, against the spread with against teams with winning record this year. They are zero five and one against their spread, and their last six at home is Tampa. So I think Houston wins this game. I think Houston will win this maybe by ten, and um, and let's go Houston, and we'll make Houston one of our plays in these two games on Saturday. Don't love it again. I don't like the fact that we're. I would not take anything over the three. So you don't want Houston minus three and a half if this line floats up. It's already floated up a little bit, but I just I do think they win this game, and I I would uh, I think that at the very least, if if it's three, you're going to push here. So I don't want to give away much more than that. Patriots minus six and a half against the Buffalo Bills, and let's go to the Bills in here. 
The Bills have won four of their last five. Their, their loss was to the Ravens. They have wins at Pittsburgh and at Dallas. Both of these teams have clinched playoff spots. I didn't love the Pats' win against the Bengals. The Bills are 7-0-1 against the spread in their last eight road games. They're 5-1-1 against the spread in their last seven overall. And the Patriots are 1-5 against the spread versus teams with a winning record. When these two teams played earlier in the year, it was a really close game. Josh Allen was miserable. If he was just really, really bad, like a, a notch up from miserable, they win that game. He ends up getting hurt late, and then Matt Barkley comes into the game. And so, you know, that vaunted Patriots defense, they weren't causing havoc in, in that game on every play. There were just a few of those Josh Allen plays. And since then, he's really slowed slowed down the turnovers, slowed down the interceptions. And last week, he was able to make the plays that when needed. And I think that's just the type of game you're going to get from them. I don't think they're going to be... I think they'll be a little conservative. They'll try to run the ball, the Bills, and... Let's go with the uh, the Bills, plus the six and a half in here. If this if this got up to seven, that'd be great. But um, I wouldn't go uh, under six. I want the six at least. So take the Bills plus the six and a half. The game I'm going to stay away from is the 49ers versus the Rams. It's 49ers minus six and a half against the Rams. These teams are both coming off of losses, and that's what scares me against playing against the 49ers. I had a feeling one of the last couple of games they would come out flat, and if they and I thought it might be against the Rams, but now since they lost last week, I just don't think they're going to come out flat. Um, and it's not a good matchup for the Rams. It really isn't with Goff. He doesn't seem like the type of quarterback who will excel um, as far as like getting the ball out of the out of his hand quickly, being able to move around and extend a play if needed uh, against a really tough San Francisco defense. I just think San Francisco is going to be trying to bounce back. Now they are banged up, and they've they've been dealing with a lot of injuries. And this is a division game between two teams that know each other well and the Rams need to win their last two games and hope that Minnesota loses their last two games if the Rams want any of their like small chance to get into the playoff so I think I do think the Rams will play better because why did they come out so flat last week it made a lot of sense why the 49ers came out flat they played a couple huge games in a row on the road uh they played that awesome game against the Saints and then the 49ers come home you knew that they had an opportunity to come out a little bit flat with the Shanahan-ish um, relationship with Atlanta. So that that made sense to me. But why was why were the Rams so bad after a couple weeks where they looked really good? It seemed like they started to figure things out. And then Dallas just kicked the crap out of them. The Rams are actually 9-5 and against the spread this year. And they are 5-0 and in their last five following and against the spread loss. It's just a no play for me. I don't like the matchup for the Rams. I I wouldn't be shocked if it's close. I think the 49ers will win. So, I don't I just I'll stay away from this one. So for the uh the Saturday games, let's go with Houston, minus 3, don't get anything more than that though, and then Buffalo plus the 6 and a half there. We are 49 and 42 after a very nice week last week where we went 4 and 2 in our games and uh, we also had a couple of those games in the money line. Good way to uh to try to end the season like one or two more winning weeks here and now we're at least back up into a, a nice number and we put a little more money back in our pocket last week after a few weeks where we just kind of struggled a little bit really is this NFL is betting the NFL is the hardest thing in the world man the lines are the most accurate really of all the sports because there's a lot of sharp money and there's just a ton of money in general so uh, most of the time when you have a great start 
it's going to go close, closely back to even. And a lot of times when you have a, a bad start, it'll start to go good back to even. So um, let's try to finish the last few weeks strong here in the NFL. Speaking of the NFL, you can play in a lot of these DFS contests with the Thri- DFS contest with the Thrive Fantasy app. Go right now, download the Thrive Fantasy app. Use the promo code Gino if you deposit ten bucks, you'll get a ten dollar bonus. So if you deposit ten bucks or anything over ten dollars, you'll get a ten dollar bonus credit right back into your account. And I actually get a little chunk of that change, so it'll be helping me out. And you can play against me in a lot of these contests. Look for me. I'm, uh, that's what G said is the name for my. My username in there And this is DFS for prop bets What you do is you pick a lineup Based around different prop bets That have a number value attached to them It'll say something like Tom Brady will pass for over or under 250 yards Over 100 points Under 80 points Something like that So you pick your lineup You have two in case of emergency picks In case something happens Or one of the, your players gets scratched Or doesn't get in And I've I've played in a lot of these contests. I've won some money in a few. I always like to, with a new app like this or a new site, I always like to check it out, play a few games, and try to see if I can win and withdraw because that's always the worry, right? If we win a little money, can we withdraw? This was great. Pulled it right into my PayPal account. It was very quick. Make sure to use that promo code. Deposit 10 bucks. promo code G-I-N-O. It's a lot of fun. And let me know if you get in there, and we'll, uh, we'll play in a contest against each other, and uh, we'll have a little, a little side action going on. College football bowl season begins on Friday, December the 20th with the Bahamas Bowl. Buffalo is a six and a half point favorite over Charlotte. We have uh, a couple games on Friday, a stack slate on Saturday. We have a game on Monday, game on Tuesday uh, to talk about. And then by that, to- that point, we'll uh, probably have recorded a, uh, a show next week and we'll talk about the next slate of the college football games. So in the Frisco Bowl, we'll have three plays in these uh, in these games. The first one will be in the Frisco Bowl where we'll play Utah State. They're minus 6.5 against Kent State. And looks like Jordan Love's going to play. I think it'll be a nice spot for him to show off a little bit. They're going to be playing against the the Kent State team who was 2-10 and 10 last year. I think they're just going to be happy to be here. Utah State is 16-5 and five against the spread as a favorite and 7-2 and two against the spread in their last nine non-conference games. I like Utah State in here. Minus the six and a half. You'll have uh, on Saturday in the New Mexico Bowl. You'll have San Diego State. They're a three and a half point favorite against Central Michigan, who they were one in eleven last year. They did a great job turning uh, their program around and getting into a bowl this year. They have the Cure Bowl, where Georgia Southern is a four point favorite over Liberty. There's the Boca Raton Bowl, where SMU is a three point favorite over Florida Atlantic. The Camellia Bowl, where Arkansas State is a two and a half point favorite over Florida International. And then the Las Vegas Bowl will be one of our plays. It's going to be Washington as a three-point favorite against Boise State. You can find Boise State at plus three-and-a-half, and I like Boise State, so let's look for that three-and-a-half and try to take that side. I wouldn't talk you off playing a money line in here. This is Chris Peterson's last game at Washington. Remember, he was the former coach at Boise State, so there'll be a little fun uh, added narrative and storyline into this matchup. And... Washington had a really disappointing year, and it's all. And Boise State always plays well at the end of the year. They always play well in these bowl games. They're always excited to be playing against a like a big conference team, and with the opportunity to upset them. Boise State is seven and zero in their uh, against the spread in their last seven as an underdog. 
They have won their last six games. This is their 18th straight bowl game. They are 5-1 and one in their last six bowl games as a dog against the spread. And Washington is 1-4 against the spread in their last five bowl games. I don't know what Washington's playing for really here. If their coach is leaving, do they want to send him out on a good note? Sure. But, I, I mean, are they excited that their coach is leaving? I, I don't know. I thought Eason's been okay this year. Um haven't been quite as impressed as uh, as I had hoped in some of the big games. Let's go Boise State in here, plus the three and a half. And then the third play will be on Tuesday. Uh, we'll get there in a second. So on Saturday, the other game, New Orleans Bowl, Appalachian State is a 17-point favorite over UAB. Monday is the Gasparilla Bowl, UCF 17.5-point favorite over Marshall. And then Tuesday is the Hawaii Bowl. And we'll play BYU they are minus one and a half, minus two against Hawaii. That's fine. Don't take anything uh, above three. Look for the one and a half because we we like BYU in here. Hawaii, plain and simple, they're good against bad teams, and I don't think BYU is a bad team. Hawaii is seven eighteen and one as an underdog recently. They are seven and nineteen against teams with a winning record. They are one and four against the spread in their last five bowl games. They're seven twenty-one and one against the spread at home in their last, you know, twenty-nine games, and they have struggled down the stretch. They haven't been scoring uh, at the same rate. They haven't been just racking up the same yardage as they have early in the year, as that you generally think with the Hawaii team. So let's go BYU in here. Hawaii just doesn't have the same kind of home field advantage that they used to, either. Um, BYU just to me seems like the better team, and we'll go BYU minus the one and a half in here. So the three plays in the first swing of these bowl games, Utah State minus six and a half, Boise State plus three and a half, BYU minus one and a half. We are dead lo- dead even. We were 500 with our college picks this year, 23 and 23 with a, a large, large uh, slate still left with this bowl slate coming up over the next few weeks. So plenty of opportunities to, uh, to move that number up quite a bit and to make some money. Good luck in the the first week or so of the college football bowl games. Before we close things out with the uh, the horse racing plays for Friday, December 20th, and remind you about Sarah Candle Company. Visit sarahcandles.com right now, Christmas time coming up. You need a last-minute gift. You don't want to have to go to the mall. Order from sarahcandles.com. Their goal was to create a candle that is 100% natural, clean burning, and of the highest quality that everyone can enjoy. Here's why Sarah Candles are the best. And this is C-E-R-A candles.com. Sarah, C-E-R-A meaning uh, wax in Italian. They're all natural soy wax. They're free from the toxins found in the paraffin wax, which is used by... And the all natural soy wax actually holds a scent better and can burn up to 50% longer than the traditional paraffin wax candle. 100% lead-free cotton wicks, completely natural scents. They're made in micro batches and hand-poured to ensure the highest quality... 100% 100% locally sourced and handcrafted in the USA. They have over 25 different scents available, three different sizes, fragrance oils that are infused with natural essential oils, best ingredients, quality packaging, affordable prices, and longer burning. And none of those toxins or those carcinogens or those pollutants that are present in the paraffin wax. These were created by people who love candles. They started out experimenting, trying to create the perfect candle, and now they have blossomed into Sarah Candle Company. Through their research, they were able to discover the benefits of the all-natural soy wax. Perfect gift for someone. We're offering you 10% off with the promo code G-I-N-O. So make sure to use that promo code G-I-N-O 
10% off of your purchase. I just loaded up uh, for a lot of Christmas gifts. You can get different scents for each one of your family members, each one of your friends to match their personalities, right? Sarah Candle Company. Visit sarahcandles.com. Final segment. Let's get through uh, this as quickly as we can because we just have a couple plays from Fairgrounds, a couple plays from Turfway, a couple plays from Gulfstream. Looked at Laurel. Looked at Aqueduct. It was awful. Couldn't find anything there at Aqueduct. Looked at Laurel. Didn't really love anything there. So uh, let's go through Fairgrounds first with our three plays. Let's go to Fairgrounds. So this is December 20th at Fairgrounds. Make sure to get your uh, past performances out or your pen and your paper. And let's go to race number four. And we're going to go to the number seven. And that is Kenzie Blake. Last time we saw Kenzie Blake, she was a step slow. She got squeezed out of the spot she wanted. And she got stuck seventh down on the inside. She was waiting behind horses. She was keeping inside. She actually moved really well. She got a spot between horses. She moved through a tight spot. Um... And she couldn't get to the long shot, LaFleur, who went gate to wire that day, who was a $96 winner. She has more positional speed than she showed last time out. I think she can be a little bit closer. She's going to go second start off the bench. She had a couple months off between September and November. I think she'll be a little little sharper today, and she's shown the ability to sit closer if need be, but she can come from off the pace, and I like that last effort. So let's make a win wager on the number 7, Kenzie Blake, if we can get 3-1, to one, and let's use Kenzie Blake in all of your exotics there in race number four at Fairgrounds. Let's jump to race number six at Fairgrounds on Friday. And let's go to the number one, Sidster from the rail. Sidster's debut, he actually was your betting favorite, but he broke a step slow. He got hooked wide and he was up to within a length. He was pressing four deep. It was just a tough trip, but he did flash some ability. He ran in spots. He got a lot of action in that debut. That was sprinting on the dirt. Now, he adds the blinkers, he's going to stretch out, he's going to go to the grass, and he should be right on the lead from the inside. I think you're going to get some speed in here, and I think you're going to see just a different horse today with a different trip. And that's the number one, Sidster, in race number six at Fairgrounds. We're going to make a win wager on that one if we can get anything over 7-2. to two. And let's jump to race number eight for our final play of the day at Fairgrounds. And we're going to go to the number 10 in here, Amazima. This is a filly who is fresh for new connections. If you go through race by race, she's really never run a bad race in her career, um, which began with the debut. And I like the fact that she has some speed. She has the ability to sit just off. And she should be close. She's really always in the mix. She broke well. She was a close-up third. She was tucked inside. She was within two. She made an early move to the two-path, and she angled around. But she just seemed all in early. And that was the toughest race that any of these are coming out of. If you look at the races that a lot of these are coming out of, they're stepping up from a maiden win. They're coming out of claiming races or state bred races. And that was a an open allowance. And look at the race back in September at Churchill, which was really, really good sitting, just taking the lead and then getting nailed late. And also, you're going to be going a mile in the 16th in here after cutting back from a couple races, going a mile in an eighth, and then a mile in three sixteenths, where it seemed like she was just a little bit flat, so I like the turn back. You'll notice the uh, the victory was at a mile. We're going to go with the number 10, Amazema. We'll make a win wager if we can get anything around 7-2. to two. So the three plays there at Fairgrounds, fourth race, the number 7, Kenzie Blake. The sixth race, the number 1, Sidster. And the eighth race, the number 10, Amazema.
Let's go to Gulfstream Park. We have three plays at Gulfstream Park for Friday. The first one's going to come three, and it's going to be with the six day by day, who she's a, a mayor who's coming over from Gulf, uh, Golden Gate. She was in Southern California and a couple starts back at Del Mar. She was your heavy favorite last time out. Your one to two favorite. She broke well. She pressed the pace, but she was in the inside. And that's not an easy spot when you're pressing from down on the inside and the leader is kind of in front of you and able to kind of angle you into the rail a little bit. You could see that she didn't seem to like being down on the inside. So she took back. She wanted to get off the rail, but she really couldn't. She just never seemed comfortable. And that was against Open Company last time out. Now she's in against Florida Breads. She goes from the inside to the outside. And she's shown the ability to sit just off the pace if need be. She can press. She doesn't have to be right on the lead. Let's go with the number six day by day. We'll make a win wager at anything around 5 to 2 and make sure to use in all of your exotics there at Gulfstream Park. Let's go to race number 7 at Gulfstream Park. And we're going to go to the number 4 in here. Gorgeous in rags. Her last start, she was not far off at Churchill Downs early. She was two, two back. She was in between horses. She was traveling well, but she kind of moved right up onto the heels of the rival in front of her. She had nowhere to go. So then she had to take back and angle around. She was 3 deep at the top of the lane. She loomed up ominously. She ended up winning the battle for second, and now she gets the slight cutback. And she's pretty consistent over her last couple starts. I like this trip for her. Gorgeous in rags, the number 4 in race number 7. We'll make a win wager, anything around 7-2. to two. And then in race number 9, you're not going to get a big price on this one. Maybe you want to, uh, to build some of your late exotics around. That's the number 7. Churn and Burn, who, if you can get around 2-1, to one, I think that's a, a good price, because I was just extremely impressed with his, both of his starts, really, but in particular with the uh, the November 15th race at Churchill, he had a slow start, he moved well in between horses, he was all the way up to third within just a length, he then takes back a little bit, he's sitting nicely a couple lengths off, he looked like he was done early in the stretch, and I, I think it's more of a distance horse because he did not really even get into a stride until late. And then he started to really travel well. And he gets up for the win. He looks just like a horse who wants to go longer, like a distance horse. He shouldn't have to be too far out of it. He's proven that he can come from behind and, and pass horses if need be, like he showed in his debut. And he defeated a, a next out maiden special weight winner at Turfway Park. So let's go to the number seven, Churn and Burn. Anything around 2-1 to one will play, and maybe a horse just to build some of your late exotics there at Gulfstream. Let's close things out with uh, our plays from Turfway Park for Friday. Three plays for Turfway are going to be in races 5, 6, and 7. Let's go to race number 5, the number 1 big-time delivery. I think this course should be favored in here, and she will probably be 5-2 to two or so, so maybe she's a horse to single in some of your exotics, or and around 5-2 to two, I'm fine with making a win wager. She was a step slow. She angled off um, the inside, but she kind of ran into some traffic, and she ended up third. She was tucked inside. She was a couple lengths off, and then she got shuffled back a little bit. She moved through. She was kind of spinning her wheels down on the rail, wasn't really going anywhere, and then she angled off the rail to the two-path, and she really kicked into gear late. I think big-time delivery is in a good spot here to save ground from the inside. Big-time delivery should sit a good trip. The number one in race number five at Turfway Park. 
using all your exotics, and let's make a win wager if we can get five to two. And let's go to race number six. The number eight is a horse I remember from Southern California quite a bit, and that is Lombo. Lombo's a grade three winner who, I mean, he's just coming out of a lot better races than most of these are, right? You see Pee Wee Reese, Eddie Haskell, and Stormy Liverwell on the grass two starts back. He flashed speed going a mile at Churchill last time out in a tougher race. Um, He's in the stakes, the brew breaker behind, you know, some fine older horses and leading scorer and line judge and and 235. And and prior to that, you see American Anthem and Flagstaff. So we're talking about just, I think, a lot better than what most of these have been facing late. Lombo looks to me like he has the speed, but he can sit just off. He's drawn to the outside, which is key, so his hand's not going to be forced. He can just kind of, you know, use a little bit of his speed to get into a nice position. Let's go with Lombo, the number eight. Anything around three to one, we will make a win wager and use Lombo and all of your exotics there at Turfway in the sixth. Turfway Park race number seven. Going to go to the three. Get your midnight. Get your mind right. I just think he outruns him. He's going to go third off the bench. He's proven at Turfway Park. And he looks like he's just faster than everybody else in here. He won two starts back at Keeneland. And then last time out, it was a speed. Just faded a little bit. A lot of, a lot of times this happens to these speed horses. But, I, I, I mean, you look up and down this at this field. There are, you know... Maybe one or two others who have some speed, but I think he's he's the quickest. And let's go with the number three. Get your mind right. Anything around seven to two will make a win wager in race seven at Turfway Park. So that's gonna do it for this episode of That's What G Said. But we will be back uh, probably Friday evening as we go through the Sunday NFL games. We will go through the morning show. We'll talk a little bit about. Uh, shameless last couple episodes and we'll hit on the uh, horse racing for Saturday and Sunday for the weekend enjoy folks and uh, happy holidays to everyone out there we are coming close on to Christmas don't forget to vote in the polls for the best Christmas movie you have to head on over to Twitter follow it's me Gino B and vote in those polls for best Christmas movies talk to you all again very very soon so you-